This week's episode of Greetings from Storybrooke is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash storybrooke. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that link is audibletrial.com slash storybrooke. Greetings from Storybrooke. I'm Bill Meeks. And I'm Anne-Marie DeSimone. And this is the last of our three very, very special episodes before we get back into sort of the normal grind of covering a season of Once Upon a Time. I'm so Uh, excited! I know. It's so close. It's so close. We definitely want to make sure everyone knows that we're going to have a big preview episode uh, sometime Relatively soon after you hear this, we're recording all of these special episode intros and outros in a block, so I'm not sure exactly when that is, but we're going to have a special preview episode. We're going to try and get some people on, you know, talk all the news that's out there about things like, I don't know, different characters that I I don't know if I should even say. No, don't say. Are interesting, nonetheless. It'll it'll be a bit of a spoiler party kind of thing, so that'll be fun. No, we like a spoiler party. And uh, something I also wanted to mention, if people didn't... Uh, check it out before uh, before we started releasing these special episodes from Dragon Con. Uh, we put out a best of of the first season, and it kind of goes through chronologically uh, through all well through all of the rhymes, and then it has just different highlights from, from th- throughout the entire season. So if it's you kind of if you like our show, uh, check it out. You you can relive some fond memories, and you can also get some. Uh, clues in on very specific things that happened throughout uh, the last season of Once Upon a Time, too, as we're rolling into the new season. Right. But uh, this, uh, Definitely. Definitely. But uh, this last um, Super spe- special Sprinkles on Top episode from DragonCon 2013 is a, a press conference with Jane Espenson and Brad Bell about their web series and comic book uh, Husbands. Uh, really interesting and they, they were a lot of fun. Unfortunately, Jane had to duck out about 15 or 20 minutes into the press conference because she had to go to a once panel, ironically. But I, di- I did manage to get uh, one question about once in there. I, 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 I like the answer. I think other people will too. But uh, Oh, yeah. You know, if you want to see video of this, it's up on my YouTube channel, too, which is a youtube.com slash Meeks Mixed Media, if you want to check that out. There's also uh, some cool stuff of uh, Red and Moki Fraggle reuniting on there, which was pretty neat. The Fraggles. uh, I can't believe you met the Fraggles. I know. I know my my profile picture is me with Red Fraggle now, which is kind of fun. But uh, anyway, I guess we'll we'll go ahead and roll into the press conference. It runs about 30 minutes, and then we'll come back here and wrap up at the end. David Magazine, which is Atlanta's premier LGBT lifestyle magazine. And my question is... Okay, so Husbands starts as a series about a couple who feels societal pressure to stay married rather than societal pressure to get married. Do you think this translates into the real world of famous of non-famous gay couples that we have to show the straights that we deserve the right. Yeah, I think to an extent it probably does. I don't know, I can't speak for them. I'd be interested to know. Um, <laughs> you can't speak for non-famous gays? I can't speak for all those uh, people that aren't me. <laughs> but um, I, I think that it, it likely does. Uh, 
And I, you know, the reason they're famous in this story is because it heightens that. You know, like you might feel societal pressure uh, being a civilian, but when you're a celebrity, there's absolutely you know a microscope and an expectation and to be an example. Yeah, and I think it's pretty easy to put yourself in the mindset of someone who. Oh, we got the right, and you run out and you get married maybe a little too soon. I think that probably happens a lot. And then you're like, oh, if we get divorced, all our friends, the local paper, everybody. Like, everybody's, most people are a celebrity in some way in their personal, professional community. So everybody's got that burden, I think. Everybody's famous. Not as famous as you. Huh? I said, but not as famous as not you. Famous as oh, but there's people more famous than me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Um, I have a quick question, yeah. Jane. Do you have any advice for aspiring female writers? Absolutely. First off, just think of yourself as a writer. Um, don't let people tell you female writers are good at this, or that by being a female writer you can market yourself as like, well, I'll contribute this, I'm more emotional awareness or anything. I think that's, that's a trap. I think you just want to be a good writer. Um, and for aspiring writers in general, my advice is find out about the, the programs, the Disney Writers Program, the NBC Writers Program, all the sort of entry-level programs in, that exist in L.A. to help people get started. Uh, if you're not in L.A. and you can't move to L.A., do stuff like husbands. Find, um, find a partner, find a, some producing people, and find the people with the technical skills and make your own, make your own thing. Disney Writers are kind of a door for you. Yeah, Disney was where I started, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, the program's kind of changed. Those and programs require you to have some level of professional yeah, experience. They did now, used to. I would say to just make your stuff and put it out there. That's what I did, you know. Yeah. I would write and make videos from that and just put those videos on YouTube, and that's actually how I met Jane. So just do it. You know yeah, what I mean? Action is the most important part. But that industry experience thing, I've got a feeling like if you, like, found something that was shooting locally to you and you volunteered to go PA, like, it, I, I suspect that if you are driven, you can find a way to accumulate professional experience in, in a lot of different places in the country. I can piggyback on that. Yeah. Um, it's been commented very often and very recently that science fiction and fantasy shows tend to be more boys' club. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering if you felt that way. And I feel the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the, you know, the openness... Were, one of the rooms that's been most female was Buffy, obviously a feminist show. Um, a lot of the science fiction rooms I've been on, the ratio has been better or no worse than on any other show. Sci-fi is about open minds, infinite diversity and infinite combination. I don't think, I don't think it's as much of a boys club as people think. I think the boys club is um, multi-camera comedy, very traditional sitcoms. Those are the rooms that I saw where it was really, really a boys club. Yeah. But I think that's opening up now, too. But Hollywood in general, I think, is just male-dominated. Um, but it's not, it's not so heavy that it feels like a boys club. But yes, generally you're meeting more um, men and mostly white people. It's really weird. It's and I don't know why. I don't. It just seems well, to attract a, a certain sort like, of type, and that's that's what it is more often. But it's not. And once a place is populated by a certain type, who are you going to hire to put on your staff? People that you're comfortable with, and people without realizing it, hire people that it's look like, like a them. subconscious rapport yeah. thing. Yeah, like yeah. oh, this person's like me. So if it's you know a bunch of white men started it, and then all the white men are hiring white men, just going like oh, I get along with this guy. Were you hired for something where you were sort of warned, like, when you get, there's a bunch of bros there, like... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. They're like, you know, we're bringing you in because you're diverse. <laughs> and they're like, oh, everyone in the, yeah, she said everyone else in the room is, is kind of a, you know, a college, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a college, um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, mentality sort of like, you know, there's going to be a lot of dick jokes, and they're not, she said, they're not going to necessarily know what to do with you. <laughs> Please, that's, I know how to do that. That's my whole life. <laughs> uh, do you think the bias against lesbian and gay and other characters has gone away? Is it still there? And how are you dealing with it if it is? Just look at the numbers. You can see it's still there. Um, and the way we deal with it is by making shows like Husbands. Uh, when the network doors weren't quite ready to burst open, we were like, well, let's do it outside those doors. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, there's still um, sort of... Well, it... Like, why would it exist in the show unless that's what we're pointing to? You know, like, why would we have a gay character if it's not about them being gay? Mm-hmm. You know, you will hear a showrunner say, like, oh, we don't want to deal with that. We don't know how we would tell that story. And it's like, there's no, just just make a character gay. Like, you don't have to tell a story about them being gay. Right. Um, and we happened to, in a way, like, it's not incidental for our characters, but we also really right. applaud the shows where it is incidental. Sure. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways to do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with, with you know, kind of the, the new structure, the new, new delivery format you're using for husbands. What kind of metrics are you? Uh, this is successful. What are you? What are the metrics you is use for success? For yeah, is the it, numbers. I, yeah, I mean, I mean for the I mean for you personally to feel it was successful. Is it just it got made numbers, and yeah, you were happy with metric it? For- personal success at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I mean, like, if it, if it got a thousand hits or if it got a million hits, uh, neither one of those would, would factor into my, okay, that was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, what is successful is the reaction that it gets, the influence that it has, the, um, the impact that it has on people when we meet them that are fans. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think it's, it's, sort of established um, a precedent in the industry, which is that, like, oh, content centered around gay people doesn't necessarily scare people away. (laughs) Um, We were very happy when we looked at at the actual numbers to see that the the demographics were very satisfying and that they were the sort of the very traditional network demographics Uh where we got Mm. both genders across all age groups Uh uh, Mm -hmm. until you got, like, over 60 or something, and then it all fell off. Well, then it all fall off. Everybody over 60 died. But it was, it was incredibly, yeah, it did, it proved our point, which is that uh, it's the, it can be mainstream content, and uh, I mean, we didn't, I didn't even at least think that it was going to be quite that diverse, but it really is, it's like 18 mm-hmm. to 55, and it's it's right down, it's like 49, 51 mm-hmm. on either side of the gender line, and, and pretty even across the ages. Yeah, really proved, because I think a lot of people saw it as niche program for a niche audience, right. and we're like, it's really not. Right. It, it just there's this falsity that your audience looks just like your characters. And when I was a kid, most of the shows that I watched, the characters were black or Jewish, and it didn't mean I wasn't watching in my little white bread Iowa hometown. Mm-hmm. I was I was watching those characters and really quite identifying with them. Um, and I loved the Golden Girls. When I was it, like six. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, this, it's a total falsehood. And so people are like, oh, you've got gay male characters. You're only going to get a gay male audience, and that wasn't our audience at all. And, uh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Oh, so make sure um, everyone gets branching out into the other form of media with a comic book. Right. You're getting a whole new audience who may not have, you know, seen the web series, but like, oh, they're like, what is this? Okay. Right. And that is traditionally comic books 
uh, can be that that stilted white straight male audience, as you can tell by all the costumes and the ladies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But you're you're able to just branch out into a medium that you have a familiarity and comfort level with. Um, how hard was it to get that to paper to publishing? Was very, there resistance? From no, not at all. Well, I already had a pre-existing relationship with Dark Horse Comics, but they were responding to the material mm-hmm. more than to me, I think. They just liked it. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think it's sort of one of those things where as you, you look look around, don't just look at the, the girls in the pages, but look at the women here at the con, and you'll see how many women there are who are genuine fan geeks um, in the best possible use of the term. Yeah, and so I think that notion that comic book readers are, are sort of the, the aging white straight males, I think that's starting to really change. Mm-hmm. We've met so many, like, rad young women covered in tats who are like, I'm a comic book artist. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And it was really fun. It was fun to write the book. Well, and the other thing is that um, there was proof of concept at that point. You know, yeah. we had a successful show that was like, we already have a built-in audience that would love to read a comic. So why wouldn't you want to make it? You know? And it is, like you said, we reach out to a new audience. We had a, uh, someone come up to us yesterday when we were signing who said, like, I bought the comic and I read it and I loved it and I saw it at the end from the successful series. So it's like, he didn't even know. Yeah. And that's, that really makes us happy. Yeah, that felt good to choice. make a comic that stood on its own as a comic. Yeah. You know, we didn't want it to seem shallow or transparent. Yeah. I mean, you seem like i uninformed, but what is the connection with the CW and what's going on with that? Yeah. CW, you should... CW Seed is a digital platform that CW has launched. CW Seed, S-E-E-D. It sounds yeah. like CW Seed, but it's not. <laughs> so um, will international fans still be able to watch the show? Currently it's not available, but we're working on it. Okay. Is that is the short answer? If Cheeks was a real housewife, what would his tagline be? Oh, real housewife like on the show. I don't think I've ever seen an episode of that show. I refuse. <laughs> I'm gonna put that as a tagline. No, that's my tagline. <laughs> I've never seen an episode of that show. I refuse. <laughs> Jay, just real quick, like, okay, uh, um, Julie Newmar or Eartha Kitt? Oh, Eartha Kitt or Julie Newmar? That's a question. Eartha Kitt, but man, that's a close one. I don't know if you can choose. It is, but Eartha Kitt. You take Eartha Kitt, and I'll take Julie Nomar, so so we got them both covered, because both those ladies, and I'm a big fan of Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which has um, a very young Julie Nomar, which is still Julie Newmeyer. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Amazing. So cool. I was thinking, you know what your tagline should be? There's a line in an upcoming episode that isn't out yet where you say, I can't housewife. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a good tagline for you as a real housewife. I can't housewife. I can't housewife. Well, then why am I on the show? Uh I don't know. I think the the Cheeks refusing. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I agree. I refuse. Are we going to see any sci-fi or fantasy elements in the show? We did it in the comic book, Mm -hmm. um, where we took them to a sci-fi place. And we do live in an alternate universe where there's been a federal amendment for marriage equality, Ah, which, you know, maybe it's it's not an alternate universe. Maybe it's the near future. Very near future, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, has has the repeal of DOMA... And other things as they're falling into places in various states, and now the, the IRS marriage thing. Right. Um, is that going to cause, uh, you know, like, are you going to be able to reference those things since you already have that right. in the universe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about our alternate universe. Is I don't think that's unfortunate. I think, no, we've got, there's so many other things that, you know, we can approach that have yet to happen that we can bring up, conversations that we can start having. We don't like to have conversations that are already happening. We like to have the ones that are yet to happen. That's right. And we do that consistently. So, yeah, we've established that world. And it's it's cooler, actually, to watch all these different things fall into place and go, 
but again, we were doing this two years ago, we've said that, yeah. And I like That's to cool. think, instead of thinking about how those all those changes affect the show, let's think about how our show affected those changes. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I, I don't know, I like to think we help push the conversation. People said, like, the number one factor in making people change their minds is if they actually know someone in that community, in the LGBTQ community, and now they know Cheeks and Brady. Well, and not just that, but, you know, when we had the idea initially for the show, um, the way the industry reacted was sort of like... Mm-hmm. Too big. Yeah, you can't really do something like that. That's not going to work. Right. And then a year later, we would describe the premise of the show, and people would go, "Oh, so it's like a new normal thing." (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, "Mm, no, actually, it's not. I mean, it's a different story. And it's it's amazing that in a year, everyone went, "Yeah, I don't. don't, What do you mean? Okay, so, but who are the main characters? You know what I mean? Like." Not to this, this right to seeing them go oh yeah it's just like that thing mm-hmm. and that happened in a year and I think that we did affect that change absolutely because there were a lot of people in Hollywood going what is that thing over there mm-hmm. um, right. and I think that again it was proof of concept that you know people weren't rioting in the streets and people were actually embracing it people like mainstream people in Ohio mm-hmm. you know, families are watching that show and, and modern families being taken in by this country you know, right yeah, but that's okay absolutely. because you've got all these other characters like you know the straight couple and the kids it's relatable right and, and the gays have a baby and all straight people can relate to having a baby so you know when you try to pitch a show where it's like it's about them being gay and in love with each other it's about these two guys being in love and they're newlyweds and so sexy, they're, they're sexy and young yeah, yeah. you know what I mean they want to touch each other and it's like it was kind of like I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> and there was nothing we could point at to say, look here, it's already working here. Whereas exactly. other shows that came along later were able to point at us. We wanted to put it online to show that not only did it work for our show, but like to create that idea that that was a, okay, so that is something that will work. Don't be afraid to tell your story or get your project yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, from experience, personally, I didn't think I was going to relate to the show. Yeah. But when I watched it, it like paradigm change right yeah. because it had always been like it's just this big political thing right but that like you kind of remove that aspect mm-hmm. so I was just wondering do you get that kind of reaction a lot where it's like you reached somebody and made them see it differently yeah I have heard that I think people are I think it, it happens more than people volunteer because I think it might feel um awkward to say like I didn't think I was going to like it or I thought gay people were totally different than me and then I realized you know what I mean which is not what we're saying but I think people people might be worried that yeah I think people might be worried that um, that will come across a certain way so we don't hear it as much um, as often but I will say that uh, I I opened my eyes to my own prejudice because we've had so many straight men say like I love your show and like they'll stand in line with us and be like I drag my girlfriend I'm gonna get her to watch it tonight and I'm like okay like they're totally into it they're fans and they're straight guys so what do you think makes that connection for people who are wouldn't relate to it or wouldn't think they would relate to it well I think that it's funny for one it's just funny Mm -hmm. and I think that it's a relationship and I think that when there are two same sex characters you don't have to say like, I understand the guy in this relationship, or I understand the girl in this relationship, and if you don't, then it's just not something you understand. It's it's two, like, universal figures. You, you can put yourself in either one's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as, as a woman watching a romantic comedy, you're expected only to identify right. with the woman. But yeah, you can identify either side. Exactly. I think it's, right. That was your observation. I think it's really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you. I think 
you, know, you talked about you like my writing, and, and what you see on the writing on the show is, is sort of half and half of both of our styles. We have a very similar style, and I think one thing that we both do well, I think, is joke writing. And there's mm-hmm. nothing that makes a character more identifiable when they can laugh at themselves, be ridiculous, mm-hmm. um, and, and still be the hero of the story. And I think, like, I think both Cheeks and Brady are funny, and, uh, and, and you're proud to know them. Mm-hmm. I think there's a, a charming neurosis uh, yeah. to it, which is like, I think the best way I can put it. It's charming. Um, uh, was, the name of my any, uh, was it always meant to be two male characters versus the possibly easier in of two female characters because society, Western mm-hmm. societies, easily accepting more of women expressing love, uh, even to another woman, uh, than men to men? You know what's interesting, though? It's like, that is... Because I, I, we made that point in um, season two with the lesbian pillow fight happening in the background. And somebody said, yeah, right. Like, in reference, sort of like criticizing it. Like, that's why there's so many lesbians on TV. And I thought, what? There really aren't a lot of lesbians on TV. <laughs> the, the lesbian depiction that you see is the lesbian fantasy that, oh, we're just girls experimenting, which is how we depicted it. I mean, we weren't yeah, depicting yeah. it as like, you know, actual lesbians. Um, they were, what do you call them? The, what do they call them? The girls that, you know, are lesbian for a while, but then they go back. Lipstick. No, yeah, okay. Lesbian is a <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so it's, I, I don't know if that's a thing. It, yes, they were always intended to be two male characters. Um, but I don't know that that would necessarily be an easier route, even if they weren't. This very much is Brad's concept. comes from Brad's experience of life. So it was going to be two guys. Um, I worked on Ellen... And I remember saying it to someone at the time, saying, like, I knew there'd be a gay show on TV eventually, and I knew it would be women, because uh, the country's less freaked out about that. And I remember, even at the time, I was like, are they? Are they less freaked out? Um, but yeah, we got a lot of fans who ask us, like, are you going to ever make wives? And it's like, I don't know, but this is, uh, husband's what, what, it's your show, and it really spoke to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have time for one more question. Okay. Well, then you could, you could keep I, answering, because I, yeah. I just have to run to my panel, but Brad. Yeah, your panel? Yeah. If you would but, like. Can I ask you a once question? Sure. Okay. All the alternative universes. You've written for a lot of shows that have their own universes. If right. there were no copyrights anymore and you could bring any show you've worked on previously into the once universe, what would it be? Uh, to bring Colonel Ty on to husbands. That was nicely done. But of all the shows I've worked on, you cannot beat Buffy. Buffy was was really something miraculous and special. And so, yeah, if if Buffy and Faith showed up in Storybook, they'd have some stuff to slay. <laughs> they could slay some dragons in Fairytale. Is Battlestar Galactica Empire dead? Uh, I don't know, because, um, you know, they, they did Blood, Blood and Chrome and stuff. I know it's a property that Sci-Fi was very proud of, and I'd like to think that there would be a way to bring it back. I know they were always very interested in doing a, a broadcast story about um, Adama's gears in the war, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and I think that that is still a story that should be told. So. I like Africa. Maybe I was the only one, but I, I think like you it. were the only one, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you can have anyone guest star a husband. Who would you want? I would love to have Amy Sedaris. Wow. And what role? Uh, that's a good question. She'd make a great sister. Oh, I think she's an only child. <laughs> um, 
I'd like to put her in some sort of authority role, like a life coach, you know, or <laughs> something, but she's drunk all the time, you know, like some sort of ridiculous, she thinks she has all the answers and she clearly doesn't. I think it'd be really fun to see from her. Um, how far, how many seasons do you think you can, I don't want to say get out of it, but are interested in yeah. telling the story? Uh, well, get out of it's a fair phrase too, because you know you don't want to go on and on and on yeah. to where it's just you're really like juicing what's left. But could you really jump the shark in the last episode, like over? <laughs> oh, just like it woke up and it was all a dream or something. I I I would love to wake up in bed next to Suzanne Plachet. Not now. But. Yeah, I think years. I mean, there's so many marriage stories, and there's so many sitcom tropes that I would love to explore. Um, that I think you could go on for. You could probably go on for ten years, but I'd probably want to go on for like seven or eight. Is there a future uh, broadcast or cable? Very potentially. I mean, CW Seed is called that because it is sort of an incubator for them to okay. uh, work with the talent and the creators and, and determine if you know. Uh, they're interested in uh, either making more of that content online or for broadcast. Does the seed give you more money for production? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not a whole lot, but enough to, that we go. Does it in any way limit what you're allowed to do? No, they um, are totally hands-off creatively. They've been extremely supportive. Um, they like the show that we made. You know, it was interesting because we had other meetings where you can't even get the person to watch it they're like well just tell us what it's about and it's like okay well I can send you a thing and you yeah 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 I probably won't have time to watch it just tell me what it's about <laughs> um, but we went in and they knew the characters names and they got you know the the subtext of everything and um, so yeah they were like we like your show keep making the show you make awesome so it's great have you seen that on Tumblr there's an animated gif from the end of the second season with uh-huh. Felicia Day doing the pizza. Yeah. It's yeah. had like 40,000 views in like two days. Yeah, and it's funny because I saw some, that someone was saying about um, the watermark. Like, oh, it's good that it's got that team husband's watermark. And so I'm glad that I insisted on it because yeah. I remember the director <laughs> saying, well, that watermark doesn't really, it's out of the world of the shit. And I was like, okay, the whole reason this piece at the end exists yeah. is for social yeah. media. Yeah. And how, how much does that play into when you guys are like developing... You're developing a web series. Oh, everything, and you, you, yeah. You're, you're obviously, I mean, from what you've done, taking this character from a YouTube channel to mm-hmm. a fully developed world. Yeah. Um, how, what, what are your, what's your advice or what's your comment on just on, you, you're utilizing social media because um, you seem to be a, a, a really good, like I would say a success story in a lot of regards. Um, I would say to be constantly thinking about it. I mean, that's actually one of my favorite parts is organically uh, coming up with ways in which your content is tied into your marketing. So, yes, absolutely. I I wanted to, like, okay, here's a point we're making. That's where, you, where I started. The social yeah. satire here is America's afraid of sex yeah. unless it's a woman shoving a piece of pizza down her throat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the message, right? Yeah, and then it's, pizza. okay, what <laughs> actors can we get that is the least likely to do that so that when we do it, that actress's following is like, what? She did what? Felicia Day. She's she's a geek, right? She's yeah. not like the 
shoving pizza down my throat type. (laughs) Um, And she even showed up and was like, I don't do the sexy thing. And I said, yeah, that's exactly the point. That's why (laughs) we want you to do it. And so, and she threw herself into it and was really great. And then, yes, I absolutely put the team husband's watermark in the bottom left-hand corner, or maybe it's the right hand, because... I wanted it to get shared a lot on Tumblr and other mediums and YouTube, and I wanted people to see that and know where they could find the content. So it was absolutely um, a marketing strategy, but it started as a piece of content that that actually had a message as well. And that is my favorite part, um, I think, of of designing content. I mean, I changed the whole structure of... uh, the wedding episode with Amy Acker and part of the reason there were other reasons but part of the reason I did so um, was so that I could get all those guest stars in the first minute yeah. you know I wanted you to see faces that you knew yeah. and go oh these are going to be characters later in the show I should keep watching yeah. so it's a big factor are you finding um, people are approaching you guys with script ideas or relationship stories out of their own lives whether they're straight or not um, like, oh, you should do this story. And you're like, oh, okay, thank you. Yeah, every now and then someone will say, yeah, like, oh, it'd be funny if... And it's almost always not funny when they start with, it would be funny if... <laughs> I have my own brain. I can pick it up. Yeah, it's, the better ideas are when people aren't uh, volunteering them. Something will just happen, and you kind of go like, that's an interesting thing going on there. Um, and Sean and I, when Sean and I hang out is when I really get... Um, good ideas. We went to a restaurant in New York and we were eating shrimp, I think. And yeah, shrimp. And Sean's like, he's got his napkin in his lap and he's cutting his shrimp with a fork and knife, which I don't understand. I mean, maybe I'm just white trash, but come on, right? <laughs> and I'm like sucking out the heads and tossing the things on the thing. And I mean, Sean is like very organized about it. And it was just, it was a Felix Oscar kind of moment. And I thought like, Cheeks and Brady go to a fine restaurant. That's the whole episode. And we get to see all the different ways um, that they have that experience. Has the series affected your relationship or relationships? Has it given you insights to that? Uh, mm, I, I mean, I put a lot. No, I think it's more the other way. I, I, the more mm-hmm. experience I have with relationships, I can write for the show right. and different things. And I, I'm inspired by my own relationship. Um, like the whole, I'm going to kill this spider. My boyfriend's saying, you're going to kill it? Why don't you set it outside? Okay, well, now I can't kill it. Now I have to set it outside. Otherwise, I'm the evil boyfriend spider-killing person. Um, Never look at you the same. Right, exactly. And then it says so much about him. Like, really, you're not just going to kill the spider. You have to, like, it's that. Okay, fine. I'm sorry. I'm not that humane because I was just going to kill the spider. But we have a limit now on, like, if the spider's really big and scary, then it can die. (laughs) But if it's just a little spider, then we have to set it outside. <laughs> I play along. <laughs> Have you ever put anything like from personal experiences in the show mm-hmm. that afterwards you're like, "Ooh, maybe I shouldn't have"? Or I, uh, not that I shouldn't have, but I, I didn't realize that I was putting a personal experience into the show when uh, in the second season, Cheek uh, tweets a picture and it becomes a really big scandal and it's like oh the shocking picture but it's, it's him and Brady kissing it's not a shocking picture at all and um, you know it's on the news and they censor it and uh, that had actually happened to me I ended up in a series of pictures from somebody who got really popular overnight and um, 
it was, you know, a big deal for that person, and, and the media was sort of treating it like it was this shocking, scandalous thing. And so somebody um, referenced that and uh, brought up that that was specific to that experience, and I thought, oh, I guess you're right, because in my mind that was just like a thing that happens, you know, like, you know, when you tweet the picture and everyone makes a big deal and it's like on the news and... And I, that sounds kind of out of touch, but I, I really, I didn't realize that that was specific to me. I just thought that was the world we lived in. Like that when, when um, men specifically try to express themselves that way, it turns into this big scandal. Um, and actually, if I think about it, I'm like, no, that was specific to my experience. Like, I didn't mean to write that from my life, but I did. I was bullied a lot. I, I mean, I was struggling with my identity because um, I wanted to fit in, actually, for a long time. I couldn't stand that I was so different no matter what I tried to do. Right. Um, and I wanted to be like everybody else, and I wanted to be popular, and I was I was uh, just constantly, constantly, constantly bullied every day. And it was uh, hard. It was like middle school was really hard. Um so I think that that would make me feel better because I, I used to visualize living in Los Angeles and my own little apartment. And in the mornings, I'll get up and take a shower and I'll listen to the radio and there'll be a palm tree outside my window. <laughs> and then one morning, I was showering in my little apartment in Los Angeles. <laughs> and I remember looking out. I had a glass shower and there was a palm tree. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God, I'm here. It was really weird. But you talked about bullying, and there's a lot of consciousness about bullying right now and getting involved and any of that message of how to stop out bullying or whatever. Uh, I would. I, that's a topic that I would like to explore more. Um, I think bullying exists in all levels in ways that we don't realize. I think a lot of people that are anti-bullying are bullies, um, and they don't realize it. And I think that the key to end bullying is... Uh, understanding the, the source of it, where it comes from, right. and it's you know I, I guess there's a, an emphasis on stopping the bully. You know what I mean? Like sure. the problem is over here, and actually, if you can work out um, the right perspective in here, then the, it doesn't even get to you. It's diffused and falls by the time you know, and they have no power, right. um, which is a, a trite and fast way of trying to communicate that idea, but. Yeah, that's something I'd love to get into more on the show. It'd be fun with a celebrity blogger, a mean celebrity blogger as a character. Yeah. Who then becomes not a bully anymore um, and actually just changes the way in which he bullies, um, possibly based on real life experiences. Asterisk by it, possibly. <laughs> yeah, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> you go down with asterisk. Meaning, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are there um, people in the industry that come up to you surprisingly and say, oh, I saw this, and it's really awesome, and I want to be a part of it? People that you don't necessarily have an established relationship, or that maybe Jane doesn't have an established relationship? Well, there were people that we reached out to. We didn't know Beth Grant. Um, but she did a long time ago she was in an episode of something that was Jane related um, but we didn't know her uh, and there was another actress who reached out to that we didn't know who unfortunately for scheduling reasons couldn't do it but responded really well and was like I'll be honest I don't do web stuff she has like a judgment on web stuff um, but I would love to do this I really want to be a part of it um, 
there, there are a couple people that have surprised us in, in just saying, like, oh, I would love to blah, blah, blah. Even people that we do know that we thought maybe wouldn't. I mean, I, I did not expect John Barrowman to say, how do I get our husbands? <laughs> and like volunteered it. Like, wow. you know, it was, it, that was crazy. Um, yeah, so it's been, it's been really cool to see that response. And, and to see someone that you know and admire who's like, oh, I like your stuff, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has he helped acceptance, John Barrowman? Because we see him all over the place, and he seems to be loved by a lot of people. Straight Has he helped uh, acceptance? Yeah. I, I guess. I don't know. I should have to ask him. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, maybe in the niche uh, sci-fi world, which has, again, traditionally been straight male world, mm-hmm. um, to have his character has obviously opened a lot of minds for people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think in mainstream America he's not hosting the Tonys like Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, yeah. work in different realms. Yeah. Uh, although in England... Divide and conquer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. And I think that Russell Davies has owed a lot of credit for, um, for, that, um, for that character and that presence in the world of sci-fi. And, of course, John playing the character and then for being gay helps, too. <laughs> the fact that he can say it. But I am in real life, too. That's great. Yeah. Uh, how did your time at Second City um, help your creative de- development and the development of the character of Cheeks? Oh, everything, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I was always a uh, funny guy, you know? Yeah. Sort of my defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, working at Second City, or going through that program was... Um, it helped me shape comedy and see like why comedy works. What's the game of this scene? Why are these characters important? What do they have you know in this scene that is important to them? What are their goals? Uh, there are a lot of rules to comedy, and properly following those rules make for much much sharper. Comedy. And we're back. Uh, that that was a lot of fun. Um, oh yeah, it, it's don't, nice don't... to see other projects that people work on. Yeah, and I really think it's sort of a uh, pet project for Jane Espenson too. Just something that she. She gets to do that doesn't have the kind of pressure that a once upon a time or something has. Right, right. And she can just kind of, you know, build the world how she wants it, which is kind of neat. And I really liked her answer to the question, too. Uh, I, I think Buffy and Storybrooke would make a really good combination. That would be crazy. <laughs> crazy. So, insano nuts. Insano nuts. I'm not pushing it. See, I, kind of, I, I would kind of like, like for the door... Uh, to be the Torchwood universe, which would well, be the Doctor course. Who universe. <laughs> of course. And then the infinite possibilities. But uh, thank you for uh, tuning into all of our very, very special DragonCon 2013 episodes. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the episode, we're going to be coming back next with the preview for uh, season, what is it, three? Season three of Once Upon a Time and the first season of Once Upon a Time in Wonderland. And uh, if... if uh, you didn't hear it in one of the other special episodes. We are going to be doing a separate episode every week just for Wonderland until we determine that it's not necessary. So, Or if it's necessary to branch out even further. Exactly. Exactly. It's all up in the air right now. we got to see what it is, right? We're juggling the balls. We're juggling the balls. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. But anyway, we're going to be coming up back with that episode very, very soon. If you want to write us uh, in with some feedback, your hopes, dreams, etc., for the upcoming season of Once and Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, you can write us greetings from Storybrook at, at gmail.com. And Emery, why don't you go ahead and tell them, you know, about the Facebook, the Twitter, and your Twitter while I look up 
uh, what our voicemail number is because it would be great to get some voicemails <laughs> too. Um, we are also – we can go to our website, greetingsfromstorybrook.com. We're on Facebook as Greetings from Storybrook. On the Twitters, we are at GF Storybrook. If you just would like to see how crazy I am in reality, I'm at AMD Simone and Bill is at Bill Meeks. Yes, I am uh, at Bill Meeks on Twitter. And the voicemail here, I just found it, is 424-274-2352. That's Put it four- in your phones. Put it on speed dial. Sorry. Do it. it Call us. It's 424-274-2352. 2352. Please, please, please call in uh, with some voicemails for our special preview episode. We would love you forever and ever and ever. Forever and ever. <laughs> Sorry. It's copyrighted. Um, <laughs> no. No. No, but, uh, you know, Dragon Con was a blast, and it was really great uh, getting to meet a, a couple fans, too. And actually, even uh, the the once fan panel was just interesting just being in a room with that many other once fans and kind of just geeking out about and the such show different it. once fans everybody yeah. has their own thing that they geek out about uh so and, and we, really... we we both got to meet a couple cast members too we both met hopper who uh I, ha- has I our contact info now oh you I didn't meet hopper no oh did you just meet the blue fairy i just meet the blue fairy and i froze <laughs> <laughs> I I had I couldn't even speak, which is rare. <laughs> yeah, but uh, we we met uh I I met Hopper and uh, all I'm gonna say is um he asked for, he, for the contact information when I told him we had a once podcast so we'll see what <laughs> we can make happen with that. So exciting! So that would be exciting. really neat. But uh, we'll see what happens. Um, I don't think there's anything else. Make sure to get a hold of us for the preview episode. We want to know your thoughts about season three slash season one of Wonderland. Um, but I guess that's about it. So until next time. Greetings, greetings from, from Story Brook. Brooke.